This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, PWI senior writer Al Castle. Uh, Dan Murphy is on assignment, so this week I am joined uh, for the first time as co-host here by PWI contributor, the voice of the ECWA, uh, Brady Hicks. How are you, Brady? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Been meaning uh, to get you on uh, for a while now. Were you part of our Christmas party some months back? I was, yes. Yes. Okay, so you. this is your second appearance here, but you're... First time co-hosting. Uh, again, thanks for taking the time. And we've got uh, a lot to talk about. Uh, another busy week in wrestling. I uh, want to talk a bit about Battleground, which Brady attended uh, live in person. So he'll have an interesting perspective on uh, that show that is very much getting mixed reviews. I think would probably be generous. Uh, so we'll talk a bit about that and kind of the, the bigger picture of the the uh, quality of wrestling, um, the, the work rate, for lack of a better word, coming out of WWE in recent months. Um, and later on, uh, we're going to ha- hear an interview from uh, Impact Wrestling star Eli Drake, who I caught up with uh, last week. Uh, Impact is finally getting back on the road. They've got a swing of shows here in the Northeast, uh, including uh, in New York, Connecticut, uh, some other uh, parts here in the Northeast. And we talk a bit about uh, his excitement and, and uh, that of the whole company getting back on the road, doing some live events again, and a lot more. Talk about the changes in Impact, um, his uh, coming through the business, uh, some issues with WWE during his uh, kind of cup of coffee that he had there, uh, some run-ins with, with some members of management over there, and a lot more. Fun interview, so uh, stay tuned. Uh, for the moment, I want to talk a bit about... The October issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated, I have it in my hand. Last time I recorded, uh, I did not. Now I do. Brock Lesnar is uh, on the cover. Another fun issue. Um, the the cover story, uh, which I put together, is about uh, Brock Lesnar earning $6 million a year, according to Forbes magazine. We talk about whether he's worth that and also look at some of the other top salaries of WWE superstars <clears throat> and whether they're worth it. And uh, there's a lot more uh, fun features in here. We've got an interview with Bobby Roode. We've got uh, features on NXT, on uh, ECWA. Brady, you can talk a bit about that, the Super 8 uh, tournament. Every year we profile uh, the tournament and the winner. Um, We've got uh, a feature on Impact Superstar Moose. Uh, What else? Even the NWA. You know, one of the fun things about this issue, I think I might have mentioned it on the the last podcast, is we're sort of in between our, our big kind of uh, milestone staple features, the, the PWI 500, the female 50, the report cards, the year-end awards. Uh, not having one of those in uh, this issue, we're able to uh, do a lot of features on uh, stars and even promotions that typically won't get a whole lot of coverage. So uh, definitely worth checking it out. And uh, the place to go is pwi-online.com. You can buy the one issue. You could uh, subscribe. Uh, the, the longer you subscribe, the deeper the discount. You could get uh, six issues for half off the new stand price. Um, and if you go for 12 issues, uh, it's even deeper, the discount. So, uh, and also, while you're there, you can download or subscribe to the digital edition that is customized for your mobile device. Looks fantastic on your phone, your laptop, what have you. Um, Brady, you, uh, you've got something in this issue? I'm sorry? Do you have anything in this issue? The latest, uh, the October I- PWI? You know, I haven't opened it up. I might have something in there. I really, I really don't remember. I know that uh, Mike Bessler did a fantastic job with the ECWA Super 8 piece. I did have a chance to see that. Uh, and, uh, you know, kudos to him. It was a spectacular tournament and uh, what great coverage. So. Yeah, yeah. We know, uh, who was it? It was me and Harry and, and Dan uh, had kind of a, a senior writers roundtable here uh, a few months ago. And one of the things we talked about was, you know, the, the days of the whole PWI staff getting together at the Super 8 tournament. Um, that was a good time. We got to do yeah. that again. It's been a few years since I've been able to get to it. Um, you know, and, and actually, incidentally, last time I talked, uh, last time I I went to it uh, was referenced in the last podcast of my interview with Austin Aries, and, and you were part of that. I think I mentioned to you in the interview how uh, we all got together that night, and I remember Austin being really kind of down and bummed um, and kind of talking about, uh, leaving the wrestling business, and it was right after that that he went on, you know, kind of the best run of his career, 
joining uh, TNA, Impact, winning the world title, and then obviously later uh, joined WWE, and he has since departed WWE. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyhow, yes, the thing to do, again, pwi-online.com, definitely worth um, uh, picking it up. And as I mentioned, we're, we're in between big issues, but before you know it, the PWI 500 is coming out. Uh, I think we're all putting uh, our finishing touches on on the issue. This is our busy season uh, of the year, and uh, no spoilers, but I think you'd agree, Brady. It's going to be a very newsworthy issue. I, I would say so. Yeah, I think uh, there won't be. Well, there will be a lot of debate as usual, but I think a lot of people are going to be happy with it this year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I also got a peek at. Uh, some of the artwork that we're looking at for the cover. And suffice to say, I think it's going to be one of the best looking PWI 500 covers uh, we've run in many, many years. And uh, I'll be honest, I haven't been crazy about some of them in in the last couple of years, Uh, but this one uh, really looks awesome. So uh, yeah, before you know it, that'll be here and uh, you'll definitely want to pick it up. So subscribe now and and you won't have to worry about finding it on on the newsstand or, or anywhere else. It'll come right to your mailbox. Uh, so again, pwi-online.com. Follow us on Twitter at official pwi. Find us on Facebook. Uh, subscribe to this podcast uh, on iTunes. And uh, what else? Send us an email here with your thoughts on the podcast, uh, pwi podcast at outlook.com. Uh, all right, Brady, let's talk a little bit uh, about Battleground. I was live tweeting it um, last week. You were there in person. <clears throat> um, you know, Nothing special. I, I don't know that there was. I guess there was one bona fide, very good match on it. That being um, uh, the New Day tag team match, them winning the titles uh, from the Usos, which opened up the show. And there were some matches that ranged from okay to good. Uh, but I think there was a match in there, and there's no surprise which one this will be. Uh, that is in the running for worst match of the year, and maybe worst match of the last couple <laughs> years. Uh, and it was the main event, the Punjabi prison match. As as wacky a stipulation as the Punjabi prison is, I mean, it's not that there's any history of good matches out of the Punjabi prison um, a stip. I kind of had high hopes for this one because uh, I think Jinder Mahal has kind of grown into the role of champion. He's He's been working really hard. Um, Randy Orton, at his best, we know is a fantastic worker and, and a real pro, but isn't having the greatest run, certainly on pay-per-view this year. Uh, but this match was just brutal. I mean, bad in in concept, bad in execution, and excruciatingly long. I think it went almost a half hour. I mean, that's like that's longer than Undertaker and Shawn Michaels got at WrestleMania twenty five. Uh, I mean, so right. I don't know what they were thinking. What what was your thoughts on uh, on the match live? Well, first of all, I, I gotta say I am still baffled to this very minute that WWE didn't bring back the kennel dog from hell match before the Punjabi prison. Uh, just, just aside, but uh, no, I mean, in all seriousness, um, as hard as WWE has been trying to position Jinder Mahal as a legitimate main event guy, um, I, I, I struggle to see why anyone would want to bring back memories of the great Kali and his awful, awful world heavyweight title run. It was, it was just, just awful. <laughs> I yeah. can't even think of it. A better word to describe it, you know, and uh, right down to bringing the great Kali back as a as a second for gender. The the entire thing, I, I feel like they should be spending their energy trying to um, do something new and, and different for gender Mahal to make him stand out rather than rehashing old stuff that didn't work. Yeah, yeah. And I know that Kali uh, is a big star in India. And yeah, I mean, he was... Not uh, a good champion in that he certainly wasn't capable of having good matches. Some guys carried him to some watchable matches. I remember some matches with uh, John Cena that were much, much better than than you would expect. Um, but sure. yeah, yeah, I don't know if that's the the kind of thing you want to associate yourself with. You know, except for the fact that again, I think so much of the the Jinder Mahal experiment is uh, clearly about India and that market. And um, sure, you know, I think whether. It, it translates to the United States or not. Kali is a big star over there and, and a name. So, you know, that might get him some rub. But this match was already laughably bad uh, before the music played and Kali came to the ring. And then it just became like like a parody. It's like, are they 
is this a rib or are they trying to put on like this awful match? And um, I don't think they were. And, and first of all, there's just all kinds of issues with the Punjabi prison uh, as a stipulation. It feels like, um, you know, and, and I'll give it to WWE, you know, they're actually usually pretty good about stipulations, right? Whether it's the Hell in a Cell or the Elimination Chamber um, or, or any of the matches that, that they're known for, uh, the Royal Rumble, there's kind of an internal logic uh, to their stipulations. And uh, TNA, I remember for a number of years, was the opposite of that, right? So they would put on these matches that just like they made. Remember, there was like the reverse battle royal where you had to throw guys into the ring or something. And there was the King of the Mountain match, which, you know, even today I couldn't explain to you how that works. I remember there was penalty boxes and, and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, but TNA was, I mean, WWE was typically more disciplined, but this is a cage within a cage and there's four doors. And after a minute, the door closes. Uh, so automatically, you know, that they're going to run out of time on, on the doors closing. Right. So that's a given. And then it's like, oh my God, what are you going to do? These doors closed. You just climb over it. It's, you know, it's not that right. big a deal. You, you got to climb over and, it anyway. Um, and, and what's and, more... And, and, how much work does that really add? Because once you're at the top of the cage, as Randy Orton showed, you just step over and you're pretty much at the top of the other cage. Right. Yeah. And, and here's the other thing that, that really bugged me about it. Uh, aside from the fact that it's nearly impossible to see live just because I was gonna of ask the you thickness about that. Yeah, of the cage. You, it, it, I, and I haven't watched it back on the WWE Network for obvious reasons. But, um, you know, when I was there, I spent most of my time with my ringside seat just trying to look almost straight up at the giant yeah. monitor, which, by the way, was raised another probably 30 or 40 feet because of the cage. Right, good point. So yeah. it was very, very difficult to follow, absolutely. And I don't understand logistically, if you've got a three-foot-by-three-foot three square, which is about what it seemed to me, um, why can't guys just step through it? And did, didn't one of the, uh, the Singh brothers do just that? Yes, yeah. yes, they did. I don't know if they the did. rules actually... I, <laughs> Maybe the rules explicitly say you can't do that. You have to climb over it. Um, if if the goal is just escape, yeah, you can go right through there. And I think there's even a gap at the bottom. Um, but, yeah, but that's a good point. About, and I wanted to ask you about that, about, about not being able to see it. Because even um, going to, like, a cage match or something like that, uh, there could be issues uh, uh, seeing it live. But a a cage within a cage and and not the the mesh fence cages but this thick you know uh, bamboo when they're in right. the the first cage inside the ring uh yeah i imagine that must have been really tough to see if, if you're not looking at the screen it, it was it was incredibly tough to see absolutely visually and it kills off the crowd uh, because of that and terror. that crowd was dead Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And the crowd really was looking for something to get into at that point because yeah. um, up until the sh up until that point, the show had basically been a version of SmackDown, you know, yep. just something that you would see on TV any week. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they they went for kind of the, uh, the big high spot with one of the Singh brothers going through the table. You know, it's kind of becoming uh, routine in, in these matches that at some point during the match Orton throws around the Singh brothers like ragdolls and I've enjoyed some <laughs> right. of that in the, in the past, but here it's like, that's a pretty dangerous spot, obviously. And you're doing it in front in, in a terrible match in front of a dead crowd. That's hardly going to react. Um, it, it just seemed uh, a real waste and, and not the best use of, of your, uh, your talent. Uh, but you know, right. we, we can go on and on all day. It was an awful match. And um, a couple things that I think are kind of the bigger picture takeaways. Uh, Randy Orton, is on quite the roll of of having uh, terrible <laughs> matches this year, uh, and it's not to pick on the guy, but but there's some irony that that comes at a time that he's been in the news uh, for some of his comments and some of his bragging in social media, uh, and and his take on kind of exciting high spot indie style wrestling, uh, that kind of thing, and. Yeah, I'm sure he's making more money than the Young Bucks or anybody else, but uh, to what end? I mean, it, I, I wonder if that's even deliberate. I mean, that that in terms of trying to prove his philosophy and advance his philosophy, that wrestling doesn't need to be about, um, uh, you know, exciting, dangerous high spots. And I don't disagree with him. I think in that whole social media debate that he had, I, I agreed uh, with him a lot. Uh, but it almost feels like, 
you know, we get the point. How about you go back to having some good matches now? <laughs> right. It uh, it kind of started, I thought, last year, about a year ago, actually, when, uh, when Randy Orton fought Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. Um, I think a lot of people had really high expectations for that match, and it ended up just being a regular Brock Lesnar beatdown. You know, Randy didn't do much of anything in the match. Yeah. And uh, from there, I mean, other than, I, I think, a somewhat memorable tag team reign with Bray Wyatt, I, I feel like, yeah, pretty much the last year or so, he's floundered. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, interesting, it's interesting to me, Al, because given Randy Orton's comments, like I was looking at WWE's financials yesterday, and for every subscriber that actually dropped the network, they almost had the exact same amount who re-upped. Or, I mean, who new signups, basically. So I think Randy's totally onto something that it really doesn't matter at this point. They were going to be WWE fans that are willing to spend a lot of money. Yeah. And, and again, I agreed with a lot of what Randy said in, in that um, debate. But as with all arguments, right, the, the truth is somewhere in the middle. And, um, sure. you know, yeah, I, I see some very inefficient uh, uh, wrestling and, and work rate uh, in the indies sometimes and other promotions. And, uh, yeah, that's one extreme. And, and especially we see young guys who are kind of getting their start and the damage that they're doing and, and the miles that they're putting on their bodies for sure. little return. Um, yeah, that, I, I don't know how wise that is. Uh, but then there's the other extreme. And it's like I, I feel like WWE at its best um, – can hit that sweet spot and often does, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm just a little bit jaded from uh, the last couple of Randy Orton performances because, you know, again, if if there's a worst match of the year, it might be a, a Punjabi prison, the Punjabi prison match. If it's not, it's the House of Horrors match, uh, which was every bit as bad, maybe worse, maybe not quite sure. that bad. I mean, at least it ended in the ring with a pinfall, um, but. You know, it, it, it's almost starting to feel like there is a Randy Orton kind of match, and it exemplifies the worst in WWE. Uh, and, and it's not <laughs> even about the the work in the ring, because there's no doubt Randy Orton is a fantastic worker. And if you go to your local house show and you've got Randy Orton on the card, um, certainly in the main event, you're going to see a, a terrific effort. I mean, there's, there's no questioning. This guy knows what he's doing and is one of the best in the world at it. Uh, but he seems to embrace uh uh you know maybe this is a way to say it randy Orton, in, in some ways encapsulates uh everything that is wrong with the wwe uh approach the wwe style and that's not to say that that it is wrong because a lot of it is right but the parts that are wrong randy really seems to embrace and, and i don't just <laughs> Nail, mean yeah. uh, uh the, the stipulations and that kind of thing but the 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 promo style right the the very uh, scripted promo style to me Randy Orton is like the poster boy for the WWE style promos where <clears throat> and you'll see him like get, trip up on on a word because he didn't recite the line quite exactly as as it was written and he's a guy who even after being in this company for whatever it's been 15 16 years uh there's still this this disconnect this detachment between him and the audience because uh, his personality, the real Randy Orton, doesn't come. I don't know who the real Randy Orton is, uh, but it's so clear that this is a guy reciting lines who is not invested in what he's saying, uh, connected to, to the words that he's saying. Uh, and again, he seems to, more than most, really embrace the sports entertainment uh, philosophy as, as compared to kind of the pro wrestling philosophy. And really, they should be one and the same, but... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, am, am I making sense? Yeah, you're, you're, you're making total sense. I think part of the reason is because Randy is a really private person. Uh, he doesn't have that bubbly, outgoing exterior that somebody like, say, John Cena would have, you know? And I, honestly, I think that's part of the reason for the disconnect with Roman Reigns as well. But if you look at Randy Orton, um, the last few years, despite being probably generally Generally, I consider the number two hand in the company for much of his run. Um, you know, that's the reason I think why he was often surpassed by guys like CM Punk or, or Daniel Bryan as the number two at, at various points during his career. 
yeah. yeah. It's and, just not there. He's just not his personality. Yeah, and, and it's a good point you make with Roman Reigns because you, you do see a lot of, of Randy Orton, the, the worst parts of Randy Orton in Roman Reigns. Um, and I think it's a lot of what's holding him back. Um, and, and, you know, compare that to uh, the promo work we've seen out of Samoa Joe in recent weeks where you got to wonder whether he's even working off of a script or lines because it is so authentic, right? I mean, it, 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 this feels like you, you, you watch Samoa Joe cut a promo, and after uh, a minute or two minutes, you know exactly who this guy is, right? Um, right, And, and yeah. he's scary, and he's tough, and he's a fighter. And uh, again, whether he, these are scripted lines uh, or not, and some of them do seem scripted, but where Joe comes through the most is those moments that feel very unscripted, you know? Um, that, that, that three-way promo he had with uh, Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns where he stops to tell uh, uh, Brock, uh, you look at me when I'm talking to you, that kind of thing. That, right. that, you know, that's the kind of thing that I think takes a certain amount of instincts and confidence um, and not just being sort of the, the, the company guy you know, I'm going to stick to to the lines that are written. And I don't know if I, I can't remember a single time that Randy Orton said anything that felt like uh, it came from from his his brain and his mouth and wasn't a uh, an improvised line. Uh, and again, were, were you were you, that's the most evident is when somebody trips over a line and then has to goes back and corrects it or something like that. And you know, when's the last time you had a conversation with somebody naturally and you, you stopped and, and you corrected a line because it didn't quite come out quite the way you meant to? I mean, uh, it, it's it's the worst of Randy Orton and the worst of WWE. And, and what's worse about it is that uh, my sense is it's valued, right? So WWE likes this about Randy Orton, you know, because that's right. – I don't even know if I'd say WWE, but, I mean, to me, Randy Orton is like – Vince McMahon's uh, a prototypical like that's that's what he wants in in his wrestler and there's a lot to like about the guy I mean he's again he's fantastic but he embraces uh you know the the worst of sports entertainment and the overscripting and as we've seen in the last few months the terrible terrible uh, gimmick matches and not just the matches but you know that whole feud with Bray Wyatt and uh, uh the segments leading up to it burning down the house and uh, again, that that the uh, the inconsistency between the rest of their presentation, you know, everybody. Again, I don't think anything captured that better than that that House of Horrors match where where it's daytime outside the arena and nighttime at at the <laughs> house and uh, uh, yeah. right, and he's uh, uh, got stubble when he's wrestling Bray in the house and he arrives at the arena clean shaven. It's like, you know, are, are you even trying? You know. Well, I, I don't think he's necessarily trying. I think he's coasting a lot of the time. Um, it, it's funny because um, I, I actually got an email on uh, Monday morning, not an email, whatever it is, a, a Facebook message from uh, from one of the uh, one of the readers, and uh, they they had questioned me as to whether Randy Orton and the Punjabi prison and everything that went down there was that worse than the Alexa Bliss Bailey This Is Your Life stuff. And that was a stumper for me. Like, I really couldn't think, like, who coasted more in that, you know? Um, I understand Alexa Bliss faced some really tough writing and stuff like that, and uh, she had way too much time for what they were doing. But I felt like at least Alexa Bliss has been able to improvise and kind of make it feel like it was coming from her. Yeah. I don't see that most of the time from Randy Orton, and I think that's kind of what you alluded to earlier. It's just, he, he just... He's very formulaic. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason why the people that don't like him just don't like him. And, and you know, more than just criticism and, and us expressing our personal preferences, I think uh, Randy Norton's approach uh, to, to wrestling has done him some, some damage. And look, the guy in, in the latest issue of PWI, you could see how much he makes, and certainly he's one of the, the top uh, paid wrestlers in the company, and good for him, and he's a multi-time world champion and uh, all of that. But clearly, we know what his ceiling is, right? And, uh, right. you know, look, the guy's probably 
one of the 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 top 10 performers of uh the last 15 years but he's not one of the top two or top three and clearly there is a gulf between him and john cena you know uh uh in whatever it was 15 20 years ago it was steve austin and the rock right i mean these two meteoric biggest stars in the business and they both reached uh, a different level a different level even than john cena but they were there you know the number one and number two and you could take your pick who was number one and number two of that era i think you could probably safely say that of their era it was john cena and randy orton number one and number two and there's a lot of space between the two of them in terms of what, uh, again, the, the, the heights are, their ceiling. Um, well, sure. And, yeah, I mean, and, and Orton, Orton just never moved to that next uh, level. And, I, you know, I think he could have if, if he wasn't so insistent on, uh, again, doing everything exactly that he's told. He, he's, uh, there's, there's no sense of... And it's ironic because some of uh, what you hear about the real Randy Orton, you know, being going AWOL from from the military and all that. This is a guy who who can be a rebel and has been a rebel. But in WWE, he is just like absolutely the company guy. I do everything exactly as I, I'm told. And uh, it it's hurt his career and it's hurt the product. Now, don't, don't you think, Al, and I'm just curious what you think about this, uh, don't you think that Randy Orton of today is kind of miscast, whereas, like, maybe 10 years ago, 13, 14 years ago, when Randy Orton was the legend killer, or when he was just the general jerk and the number one heel, and he, he basically was doing the Triple H stuff, uh, you know, beating up the good guy, everybody hated him, down your throats all the time. Um, to me, he was much better cast as that. Like, the fun-loving, everybody-loves-Randy-Orton-rah-rah guy, I, that's not him to me. Yeah. And I think, that, I think that hurts him a lot. Like, I, I thought early on in his career, um, you mentioned, like, the one and two. I, I always kind of felt like WWE had Batista kind of penciled in as the number two, but were willing to negotiate. And when Randy Orton was coming up like that as a, uh, as a bad guy, um, you know, they just slid him right into that spot. And I thought it worked really well at the time. Yeah. You know, I agree that there was a time where, where Orton was a lot hot, hotter than he is now. I don't remember a time when he was much uh, cooler. And I don't mean cool, but I mean in not being hot uh, <laughs> as he is right now. But yeah, you think about the, the legend killer days. You think about when he was punt kicking Dusty Rhodes in the head uh, and that kind of stuff. He was super over, super hot. He's always been a better heel uh, than a babyface, but I think in the last few years, he's generally gotten so stale that they switch back and forth every uh, a few months because they think this is like, well, that's what he needs is another change. And, and every one of those, um, I think, cuts away at him uh, and, and his credibility more and more. So uh, now, you know, and you're talking about a guy who won the Royal Rumble this year, was world champion this year, um, you know, right. won the WWE championship, the real one, the, the one with the lineage, you know, back to Bruno San Martino, won that at WrestleMania. I mean, if you looked at that at somebody's resume this year, you'd think, oh, this guy's having one of the best years of anybody in the business. And, you know, far, far from it. You know, he, he uh, to me, it's one of the big disappointments of 2017. And looking back on the Royal Rumble specifically, Al, um, I don't know how you felt. Um, obviously, it was a little formulaic because they were clearly trying to position Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton as a match at WrestleMania. Um, but to me, it was a head-scratcher that Randy Orton would even win it because he, up to that point, he really hadn't done much of anything on the main event level since the brand split. I mean, he had the match with Brock Lesnar that I referenced where he basically got destroyed and he was basically a tag team guy beyond that. It, to me, it kind of came out of nowhere, and there were a lot of other stars um, who would have been much more believable winning the thing. Yeah, yeah. I remember when uh, the, the odds, the Vegas odds, came out for the winner of the Royal Rumble. And for, for better or for worse, those have been pretty reliable in the last few years. Um, because I imagine, you know, people who have knowledge of, of what these finishes are going to be go and, and they put their money down so they they're usually pretty accurate and when the money came in on randy orton it was like 
what? Randy Orton? Because, again, right. he was so lukewarm at the time and was after it uh, as well, you know. And, and I don't think working with Bray Wyatt did either one of them any favors because, you know, to me, Bray Wyatt's right there with Randy Orton in terms of just uh, right. real disappointing characters uh, in, in 2017. Bray Wyatt was a, a main eventer for one evening when he pinned John, John Cena and AJ Styles in the same match. And beyond that, uh, he, is, he hasn't accomplished much of anything. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, overall, WWE, and the shame of it, I mean, to kind of bring it back, the shame of it is you're looking at a company, uh, and forget about the company, let's talk about the brand, let's talk about uh, uh, SmackDown, that has... Uh, uh, Nakamura and AJ Styles and uh, John Cena and Kevin Owens, uh, you know, those four guys alone. And, you know, you could throw Randy Orton in there. That's five of the best wrestlers in the world, you know, and capable of having uh, just fantastic performance after fantastic performance. So for right. them all to be featured on a pay-per-view – and for it universally to kind of get a thumbs down as a, a, a bad show, people say worst show of the year, not much to see here. That's almost unthinkable with that level of talent. And I think it speaks to, <coughs> again, um, a, a real problem in sort of the, the philosophy and the approach of WWE uh, currently, kind of the current day WWE, where it, it's becoming, uh, I think, more about spectacle than uh, a quality and you know I, I think i talked about it with dan in, in the last podcast think about when's the last time that we had a match of the year contender or match of the year uh at wrestlemania and wrestlemania used to always be about you know great matches you were sure to have the the best performances of the year at wrestlemania and now it's not even a priority it's it just and and we're seeing it again at SummerSlam again for for months now people are thinking what's the main event of SummerSlam it's gonna be it's got to be one of the biggest matches they could put forth. Maybe, you know, it's it's Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. Maybe it's uh, John Cena and Roman Reigns, a Shield reunion. Uh, no, it's a fatal four-way. Another fatal four-way that if they put forth on Raw, people wouldn't find that out of place. Uh, and again, it's just about flash and smoke and mirrors and and stipulations it, it's a throwback to kind of a, a a bad time in wwe when you talk about sort of that early to mid 2000s where we saw way too much of this i you know i i actually couldn't agree more and if you have history of like big pay-per-views for wwe especially wrestlemania but SummerSlam to a, a certain extent as well they've kind of gone through three phases you know First, it was all about celebrities and, like, you know, what celebrities are going to be there, what mainstream stars are going to be in attendance or going to appear or whatever. Um, when that started to fade, WWE did the smart thing, and they actually made the wrestlers the focus for quite a few years yep. there in the, the early 90s and stuff like that. And I thought it worked really well right up until the Attitude Era. But in more recent years, the focus is on flash. It's on size. Look at how big of a crowd we can draw. You know, look at how big this stage is. It it takes The Undertaker two days to walk down to the ring. That's how big this is. <laughs> yeah, and WrestleMania you know? is seven and, hours long. Right. It, yeah. It's seven, uh, what, yeah, it started at five and it ended at midnight. Yeah, you're right. It's, um, it, it's, I, I, I get, you know, that WrestleMania is a spectacle and, like, it's grown into such a thing um, that it really feels special and everything, and that's great. But, yeah, I, I feel like with a little more careful booking, the wrestlers themselves could be the standouts. And then you have this great size of a crowd because of the performances as opposed to the other way around, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's becoming about quantity over quality, you know. It's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's crazy to me if you look back uh, on WWE history. I can't remember a time, in all honesty where WWE had such good talent on its roster. And you kind of referenced that in a way. If you look back even 10 years ago, uh, you just had a, a, a glut of guys. And I don't mean to pick on them, but you had a glut of guys that just looked like Chris Masters to me. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you have one or two guys that look like Chris Masters, but they can wrestle better. And there is a whole lot of talent on this roster, certainly that's being underutilized, to say the least. And... You know what? To, to 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 take it even more harshly, I I, I feel like um, 
a youth movement should be more in effect than it is. You know, I, I, I feel like with all the talent that's here, that's by the way, rapid, rapidly aging, you know, everybody pretty much in their mid to late thirties now. Um, I, this is the time, you know, Randy Orton is a great supplementary guy at this point in his career to bring it back to Randy Orton. But uh, there are a lot of guys out there that should be positioned a lot higher on the card. Yeah. And, and to be clear, I'm not talking, Hey, let's go. Uh, let's move everything to being a, a four star wrestling clinic made event every night. Um, or anything yeah. like that. Let, let's do Okada and Omega in, in WWE on every pay-per-view. Uh, not at all. All I'm saying is, let's back off of the Punjabi prison matches, all right? Or, you know, right. again, that, that's the other extreme. You, And again, bringing it back to uh, uh, Randy Orton's debate on social media, you know, uh, uh, the dives out of the ring and all that stuff, uh, it, it's it's a false choice, right? The The opposite of that is not what he's been doing. It's not... Um, wrestling with a projector projecting bugs in the ring um or or again the preposterousness of the punjabi prison match or uh you know your your finish having to do with dropping a refrigerator on someone and then jumping in your car and driving to the arena it's like you know th there's a happy medium there's a, a huge big space there in in the middle which wwe is doing uh in in a lot of places i mean i'm not saying WWE's not right. doing this uh you know look at at brock lesnar and samoa joe at great balls of fire uh you know it's not to say that the punjabi prison match has become the norm of wwe pay-per-views but uh it's it's worrisome how much uh they've and maybe specifically to, to Randy Orton and, and Bray Wyatt, you know, sometimes it feels like they, uh, you know, now the undertaker is apparently retired and uh, maybe they're trying to fill that gap of this kind of mystical sci-fi otherworldly sort of dimension of pro wrestling. And they see uh, how the, 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 the Hardys, the broken Hardys universe, how that took off. And some of, of the buzz that, like, Lucha Underground created, and they're trying to run with it. It's like, oh, there's a different way to present wrestling. And there is. Sure. I mean, you, you can do some of that, uh, but they're not there yet, not by a long shot. And I think they should, you know, to, to uh, use a popular phrase these days, they need to stay in their lane. <laughs> you know, I, it, it, and I think if I could summarize it best, stay in your lane is really a, a great way to put it. Um, that's absolutely true. I, I kind of feel like in the 80s, there was a time when maybe you have to rely on heavy gimmicks like the Punjabi prison or whatever. Uh, but today with the, with the dearth of talent and everything that WWE has at its disposable, disposal, um, maybe, maybe the Punjabi prison isn't the main event. You know, Maybe it's an attraction on an otherwise very good show with a main event between two guys who can actually wrestle in a singles match. Maybe that's more what they need. Yeah, yeah, and again, I don't. I was kind of up for the Punjabi prison match. I mean, I think there was a way to do <laughs> really? that match. Yeah, I think there's a way to do that match. Look, they haven't pulled it out in like ten years, so you can't accuse them of like right. going to that well too much. If they did that in twenty minutes, you know, um, got through it, had some exciting bumps, uh, you know, I, I think. I don't know that you would have ever gotten uh, a classic out of that, but I think it could have been entirely watchable, um, and there was no need for it to to be as brutally bad. And again, this this gets back to WrestleMania being seven hours, and now right. three and a half hours of Raw on Monday night, followed by two hours of SmackDown plus an hour of Two Hundred Five Live on Tuesday night, and you know it, it's uh, in every pay per view now having an hour pre show and post show. Uh, they're just stuffing so much in there, and and, and I think uh, the thought is, and I appreciate the, you know the sentiment. If if the idea is let's overserve our audience, uh, but but so much of wrestling and and almost all forms of entertainment are about you know leave them wanting more, right? I mean you you want you want the fans uh, uh, a cheering for that encore from the band when they finish um, the show. You want them wanting more, and WWE has just gone. In the complete uh, other direction, where you leave them wanting less, they uh, <laughs> you just 
you send I, people home and or turning off the TV exhausted. You know, leave, leave them wanting more. I, it it kind of, to me, it's like a buffet where they continue to fill the French fries but <laughs> refuse to fill the fish or the steak. Like, yeah. people come for the fish or the steak. The French fries are a nice side. But we want more than French. You can give us all the French fries in the world, but we want the other stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, I, we are. I, 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 yeah. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no I was going to say, you know, I, I just, um, on the whole, I would say that um, the, the critics toward, um, toward I couldn't think of the pay-per-view name, toward Battleground, uh, I thought they were particularly harsh. I thought it was a decent show. I didn't care for the main event, but I thought it was a good show overall. What uh, what did you enjoy about it? Well, I enjoyed the tag team match. I thought that was a really yeah. good. Yeah, really good. Uh, I liked it uh, in the women's match, even though it was a little clustered and I'm tired of multiple women matches. I'm glad that they went in a different direction instead of giving it to the predictable Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I was happy with that. And also a lot of people criticize Kevin Owens and AJ Styles. I, I feel like they haven't had a bad match yet. I, I uh, agree, and I was in the garden where when AJ won um, the title, and again, not knowing that finish was coming, that first half of the match, I remember being a little kind of underwhelmed, thinking, uh, I don't know, this isn't as good as you'd think it would, would be. And I remember there was like some long headlock spots or, or uh, chinlock spots. Um, you know, I wonder if, and there's been all kinds of stories out there, I wonder if Owens is uh, not quite 100% going out there. Uh, so I think some of the performances have suffered. I didn't love that match. I thought it was fine. Uh, and there was a lot of that. I mean, I think, you know, Cena versus Rusev was fine. Another match that probably would have benefited from shaving, you know, seven to 10 minutes off of it. Um, what did you think about that match? The, the flag match, the flag match. I, I, you know what? I, I, my girlfriend was making fun of me because she thought it was stupid and hokey, but, um, I think it brought back a lot of really great memories from a little kid because that's the kind of match that you could have taken out of today and put in like the 1980s or early 1990s, and it really would have worked. I am a huge fan of Rusev. He might be my favorite wrestler in the company, in all honesty. I just, I like everything that he does. I just think he's hilarious, and I think he's a good wrestler, and I, his presentation is top-notch to me. Yeah. Um, and, and John Cena is John Cena. You know, he's predictably good. Um, Sometimes I guess some people consider him stale, but he's been gone enough lately that it's nice to see him back, you know? And I, I thought the match worked really well. Uh, from a fan perspective, sitting at ringside, it was very difficult to see, kind of like the Punjabi prison, just because there was a lot going on outside the ring and a lot on the ramp and a lot on the stage. And it was just, it, it was very, very difficult to get a good visual for a lot of it. Yeah. But I thought it was good, you know? I, I was happy with it. I, in fact, I went back and watched that match on TV. Yeah, I thought it was basically well-executed, too. I thought it could have been, uh, again, a little shorter if I've got a criticism of it. Uh, but I think that's one place where there's a, a pretty good long-term booking going on where you reintroduce Cena, 4th of July, first feud out of the gate is this kind of patriotic feud with uh, Rusev, a flag match, all of that building to him challenging Jinder Mahal. Uh, presumably, <laughs> right. at at SummerSlam, and and Mahal, and Cena's first got to get through uh, a Nakamura on uh, SmackDown, and I'm not sure when this is uh, going to be uploaded, but we're doing this before that match happens, so I'm not. But I would assume that the match they're going with is uh, Cena and uh, Mahal, and I think that's fine. I think that's that's a, a, a decent SmackDown main event for uh, one of the biggest shows of the year, and. Um, I've been saying for years, and uh, uh, some people disagree, but as long as you've got John Cena in your company and he's healthy, yeah, you put him in the main event. I mean, he's the still the biggest star in the entire industry. If he's around, use him. And, uh, you know, have him win. You know, I, I, I wouldn't at all mind seeing John Cena get that, that 17th world title at SummerSlam, especially if he's going to be around for a little while. Uh, so, yeah, uh, hoping for that. Yeah. All right, Brady, this was a lot of fun. We're uh, right around the 45-minute mark. Um, thank you so much. Glad you were around to uh, join me here. Oh, you know what? Thank you, Al, so much for having me. It was really a pleasure. Yeah, anything you want to plug? Uh, your Twitter, I know you got your own podcast, your work with uh, ECWA, and anything else? Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you for that. Uh, 
Yeah, ecwaprowrestling.com. I'm the uh, lead announcer there, uh, myself and Phil Sly and Eric the Lawyer. I, I think we do a fantastic job. I mean, if I just say <laughs> so myself. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Uh, ECWA recently purchased their own building, uh, and they opened a wrestling school, and they have started doing shows every Thursday night at the ECWA Pro Wrestling Academy in Laurel Springs, New Jersey. If you're in the area, the Philadelphia, South Jersey area, I definitely recommend coming and checking it out for just $5. I mean, where can you get a night of wrestling action for $5, at That's least fantastic. on Thursday? Because yeah. every other night of the week is taken. But, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's a really good thing. And as far as the podcast goes, uh, we're live on VOC Nation each and every Tuesday night, 9 to 11. It's myself and former WCW wrestler, The Strow. The show is called In the Room, and that is uh, VOCNation.com. Yeah, excellent. Brady, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Let's listen to Impact Wrestling Superstar, Eli Drake. It, it's been a while since Impact has been on the road regularly running house shows. Uh, so as a fan, I was happy to hear that you guys are going to be uh, in town. I, I used to go down to, to Westbury when um, TNA at the time used to run semi-regularly there, and it was always a good time. Um, you as, as a talent, is it, is it good for you guys now to be more active, to be back on the road, uh, outside just of the, um, uh, the, the studio there in Orlando? Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, when you, when you get on the road, you get to see a different crowd. Uh, you get to expose a different crowd to your, uh, your product. Uh, and it's also kind of refreshing in a sense, because, uh, as much as we love the impact zone and we love the fans there, uh, a lot of times, uh, a good portion of them are the same returning fans and, and that's a great thing, but at the same time, to get new, fresh faces right in front of us, I mean, you know, you, you can't really beat that. Yeah, yeah. Um, does, does it matter how, how big a crowd is, uh, that kind of thing? I know some of the places that uh, Impact is going to be uh, uh, touring here in Northeast, I mean, we're not talking huge arenas. Uh, is, is it just more about kind of getting out there and, and having, as you said, different fans exposing it to different eyes? Yeah, I think right now it's uh, let's let's play in our own playground for right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think I think to where we are is kind of a rebuilding phase at this point, uh, which means that we need to kind of uh, see where we are in this current moment and uh, use that to our advantage. So if that means having a more intimate setting, uh, smaller crowd, that's okay. Because then if we can build that audience little by little, uh, that's really the key. You don't want to go in and try and uh, you know, be a hero from day one and try right. and fill out a place when, you know, I mean, honestly, just with, um, with things that have happened in recent years and changes and things like that, uh, we, we don't have the same audience. So yeah. we have to build slowly in order to do that. You know, you can't, you can't jump right into a, a Madison Square Garden or something like that. So, sure. Uh, yeah. it makes total sense. And, and of course, look, the, the, the bigger, the better as far as the crowds are concerned, but uh, also need to be smart business-wise. Uh, and I think that's what we're doing right now. Yeah. How, how are you feeling about how how uh, Impact is doing? And, and you said this, this rebuilding phase, and we've seen a lot of reboots. I'm sorry, breaking up over there. Oh, sorry. Just just saying, uh, uh, this latest uh, reboot, for lack of a better word, is pretty significant with uh, the return of Jeff Jarrett uh, running things, and apparently. Uh, a new name, you know, adopting the global force name. Um, are yeah. are you feeling good about where things are right now? Yeah, I, I, look, I uh, I don't think it's any secret. Um, just just telling people that I that I worked for TNA in the past could be a bit of a a chuckle. Uh, right. You know, people who aren't initiated to that, you know, they they're like, oh, tits and ass. It's like, no, stop that. So <laughs> on, a, on a personal level, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that change. I, I would try and just call it impact for the longest time anyway. Uh, so GFW, impact, I, I dig it. Uh, and I kind of, again, I, I kind of like what we're doing, where we're going. I feel like uh, things have a little more depth to them as we're going right now. Um, and it's just a matter of uh, kind of letting things happen, but at the same time kind of uh, making them happen, which is really the key to the whole yeah. yeah. To the table, and, and I know, uh, I guess it's only been a few months that you've been able to work directly with him uh, since he came back to the fold. But again, what are some of the changes that he brings? Well, you know, one of the. It's not to say anything 
that necessarily about the uh, the, the previous administration. I, I think that I actually had some. some I, I liked a lot of the people that were involved. Uh, although at the same time, you can just tell there's a there's a little more organization. Um, there's a little bit more structure, which is a plus. Um, and it even seems like you know, as far as the directions that we're going and things like that, I, I feel like I'm getting a little bit more of a heads up. Um, as far as you know, directions and things like that. As far you know, because before a lot of times it would be like uh, it could be a month or two before we go and tape again, and and you know, a lot of times you have no idea what they're coming into or what they're you know doing going forward. Uh, mm -hmm. So getting a good idea and a sense of that as you're coming in is a big plus, and I've been feeling that more lately. Yeah, yeah, and I know one of the criticisms of of the company over the years has been uh, that they've been slow to to create their own stars. And uh, their reputation there for relying on names from other companies, other companies, with some exceptions. And I think clearly you're one, you're one of those exceptions, right? And, and it's one of the reasons I specifically asked for you, because uh, I, I wanted somebody who was sort of an, an impact uh, original. Uh, is that something that, that you take pride in? I mean, the fact that, that you're doing pretty well for yourself right there uh, in the company, and you didn't come with a, a big resume with WWE on it or anywhere else? Yeah, and, and, and I think that that's really the key to the building of the company is not taking the guys necessarily who come straight from WWE because basically we're just, we're, we're again giving them attention, we're giving them props. It's like, screw that. Like, let's take those guys and use them as best we can, but at the same time, let's build our own talent. Let's show them that Impact is a real force. Impact is a, uh, well, I guess I'll call it a global force. Uh, Impact <laughs> is a... It, it impact is a, a real entity that can create stars and it can create homegrown stars and maybe even take missed opportunities from other companies and turn them into something as opposed to taking already established guys and, and immediately boosting them to the top, which, again, isn't a terrible thing when used right. But at the same time, you don't want to, uh, you don't want to sacrifice your homegrown talents in exchange for those guys because I think that's bad business in the sense of, again, basically saying that that company is better than this one. Yeah, yeah. Which, this, I, this which, is, I, which, I, which I would completely and utterly disagree with. I, I think that as far as talent is concerned, I think we're kicking ass. Uh, it's just a matter of, again, getting the business ceilings in place and let's get this ball rolling. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do you attribute uh, uh, to what do you attribute your success, success there in the company, especially, again, given that you, you didn't have uh, the, the, the pedigree or anything uh, like that, um, how do you think you, you got some attention and, and made decision makers there take notice? Yeah, you know, the, the fortunate thing was um, I came recommended uh, by, by one of the producers at, at WWE uh, who actually got in touch with, uh, I believe this was John Gabrick originally in uh, 2015, said, hey, you know, take a look at this guy, check him out. Uh, I think we might have missed an opportunity here. See what you can do with it. So they brought me in, had a dark match, everything went great. And, and from there, it was just kind of making the most of my minutes. So I'm wrestling is very important, but the guys who make the money and the guys who really make a, a spot for themselves historically, and that will never change. It's today, it's yesterday, it's forever. The guys who character, the guys who can talk, the guys who have personality. And so my, my aim was every time you give me that microphone, let me knock it out of the park. And I think I've done a pretty damn good job of that for the most part, and I think that's pretty much what's, what's called the eyes, uh, and what's called the ears, I guess you could say, uh, of a lot of people and, and of the management and whatnot. So that's, yeah. that's my bread and butter. Is, is that harder than the wrestling part of it? Uh, I don't know if it's something that you could quantify, but you can learn to – to execute a wrestling move, right? The the the, the comfort behind um, uh, a microphone, and again, just feeling at ease. Uh, there are guys who are really great wrestlers who do this for thirty years plus and never really get that that comfort level. So, uh, is that just come natural to you, or or did that take a lot of work? Yeah, well, it was it, it was always kind of my focus from day one whenever I got in training. Like I remember showing up to wrestling school the first time, and it was all wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. And I was like, well, when do we get to work on talking? Like, I really want to, <laughs> that was always my thing. Like, my favorite guys were always the best talkers. I always loved Steve Austin. I loved The Rock. I loved uh, Hulk Hogan. I loved Ric Flair because they were guys with big personalities. Like, I, I wasn't as much into a 
Steve Malenko or an Eddie Guerrero. I mean, Guerrero got better toward the end. Um, but as far as like just wrestling styles and whatnot, that was the next thing. So for me, it was like, I, I want to be that guy who talks all the trash. Uh, and, and so it was just a matter of kind of uh, having that vision in my head. What do I want to be? How do I want to do it? And yeah, I, I mean, I, it kind of, I guess it took a few years, but for the most part, it was kind of already there. Um, I, I, I think it's something that you just kind of have and you just have to tap into. Um, I think there are plenty of guys who haven't learned to tap into it. Uh, maybe it's lack of comfort or whatever else, um, but I'm actually probably more comfortable in front of a camera with a microphone in my hand than I am talking to a, a stranger in the street. So yeah, that's my character flaw. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I saw, just, just uh, look you up real quick before we get on the phone, and, and uh, so you've been at this 15 years now, right? Uh, 14. Uh, you probably looked at Wikipedia. Wikipedia is completely wrong. Okay. <laughs> they, have, they have so, so many places listed that I've never even worked. They said I started to really? do, which is not true at all. Yeah, and I think yeah. it's my birthday run. So 2003, you got started? Yeah, I started. I started training in 2000, March 17th of 2003. Okay, um, so uh, you know, you, you had what 10, 11 years or more uh, before you even came into to Impact. Um, and uh, again, not having. I, I know you had a cup of coffee in, in, in WWE, uh, but does there come a point? I mean, after you've been at it, you know, so long, and you're you're entering your 30s, already well into your 30s, where you start to think, all right, is it is it time to give up this this pipe dream? Uh, and and obviously it's great that you didn't. Uh, but but again, somewhere along the way, somebody could get discouraged and say, look, at some point, you know, I got to go get a real job. Um, so did you have those moments? Um, not, not not entirely. And, and the reason why is because I, I always knew that I had something to offer. And I knew that the only reason I wasn't getting the call was because of political BS. I mean, when we got called spade a spade, there was uh, there was a guy high up. In the, uh, in the old guard at WWE, who was part of uh, Sound Relations, who had apparently uh, blackballed me back in like 2011, 2012, whatever it was. Uh, and I was not aware of this. Uh, but, you know, at one point he got fired in 2012. And when that happened, new manager came, or a new guy came in and, and was working in his place. And that was when I was able to repair the relationship and make things better and, and everything ultimately ended up working out for me. Um, but, it, I just knew that if I could get around all the politics and all of that BS, then I knew that I had something to offer this business. Um, and honestly, uh, I didn't give myself any alternatives. Um, and I did that on purpose because that way, if I don't have any alternatives, I have no way to retreat. There's no way I can go back. I have to keep pushing forward until I win. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the fact that uh, impact gave you a chance and, and gave you a break where WWE wouldn't uh, and gave you a platform to get on national TV and, and build an audience. Uh, does, does that create kind of a, a loyalty to them and a allegiance to them that you think will stick around? Certainly. Yeah. And, and I can't even say, I can't even demonize WWE as a whole, honestly. I mean, really it was one person who was keeping me from, from doing anything there. Um, you know, I was in the good graces of a lot of people there. A lot of people wanted me to do things. They felt that I should have been uh, showcased. Uh, but one man who was uh, at the helm at NXT kind of kept me where I was. So uh, fortunately, he's gone now. Uh, and uh, but at the same time, it's um, you know I am I'm very I'm very grateful for the uh, uh, for the opportunity I've been given by Impact and the showcasing I've been given by Impact. Uh, and I'm very happy with, with what they've done and, and how they've allowed me to kind of do my thing. Um, I think that's very freeing. It's very liberating as, as, a, as a performer. Uh, and, and I couldn't say enough good about it, honestly. Yeah, yeah. So, so coming back to uh, uh, New York, you're from Maryland, what, unless Wikipedia's got that wrong, too? No, that is correct. I'm from Maryland <laughs> originally. I was born and raised in Hagerstown. So, so did you work uh, the Northeast Indies when you were first coming out? Never, never, ever. I, I moved to Cincinnati, Ohio uh, when I was 20, and that's actually where I started. At, At the uh, Heartland? Heartland? Okay, yeah. yeah. It's interesting because there's guys from the Northeast. I mean, there's a whole network here, and, and I know it spans Maryland to uh, certainly New York and, and further up, I'm sure. 
Um, so I, you, you haven't had much opportunity to work here. No, and you know, honestly, I, I've almost never worked in the Northeast, with exception of uh, I, I, I think I worked um, a dark at uh, I worked a dark for at, at Raw in 2008, and then uh, what was it? I uh, of course we've done some house shows in like Pennsylvania and stuff like that with Impact. So uh, a little bit of that, but other than that, not really any indies up there. Yeah, yeah. So is it going to be a rare opportunity for you to see New York? Absolutely. Well, I mean, look, the Northeast, New York, all that area, that's like a hotbed for wrestling right now. So, like, to get up there and get in front of that crowd, I'm actually very excited about that because it seems like a passionate crowd. It seems like a crowd that's just looking and hungry for wrestling. So I am 100% looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. And and in Impact, um, what what are your goals there? I mean, is this is, is as simple as winning the heavyweight title, being a headliner? I mean, is that where you see yourself in the company? I mean, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't get into this business to be a background guy. I didn't get into this business to be second place, any of that stuff. So, yeah, my, my absolute goal is whether that means uh, World Heavyweight Championship, you know, I guess we call it Unified World Title now. Whatever it is, uh, I, I, I want to be the man at the top of that mountain. So uh, that, that's it. In a nutshell, I mean, that's it. Now, whether that means I'm champion or whether that just means I've got all the eyes on me, I, I want all of that. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. Thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. It's going to help uh, the story a lot. And um, uh, yeah, hopefully I'll, I'll see you there in St. James. Sounds good to me. Okay, man. Take care. Have a good weekend. Uh, thank you. Take care.